Blue collar people are some of the grittiest, toughest, bravest human beings on the planet. Every building, bridge, and road was built on the backs of their hard work. Every piece of raw material was mined by their calloused hands. They manufacture our goods and transport them around the world. We see that strong outer shell, but there's more to every person than meets the eye. In this podcast, blue-collar business leaders tell their stories of courage and victory over crushing defeats. That's only possible because of a mental and emotional fortitude and a willingness to ask for help. It's our mission to bring hope to those of us who are strong on the outside, but may be living a life of quiet desperation on the inside. We'll do that by working together to tell the truth about the challenges we face and what it really takes to break through them. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Tragedy to Triumph podcast. I am your host, Mick Carbo, and I'm here with a very special guest today, Jennifer Klein, aka Miss DeWalt. And we'll we'll hear a little bit about that uh, story here in the minute. Uh, but hey, Jennifer, welcome to the show. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, it's an absolute honor and a pleasure. I'm I'm really excited to uh, be with you here this morning, and and also for the audience to get to know you and your story. It's awesome. Thank you. It's a pleasure. <laughs> cool. Well, welcome again, and uh, I'd love for you to just take a moment and introduce yourself and let us sure. know what you'd like us to know about you. Okay. Well, my name is Jennifer Klein. I'm a mother of two children that are that are fabulous. I am a full time woodworker. And I'm also a content creator. I love putting videos together, showing how to's and repurpose items. Um, but predominantly, I'm a flag maker. I make flags for heroes. Um, there's a couple behind me on my desk. And that I feel is part of my life's purpose is to honor our heroes, our veterans, our first responders. And it's very near and dear to my heart. That's really awesome. So, uh, so you, where, where are you in the world? Where are you from? I'm in Ravenna, Ohio. Oh, very good. Cool. Yeah, a metropolis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I live on a farm. I have an 1818 farmhouse. Um, I own some property. It's actually, it's a, I joke about it, but it's a great place to live. It really is. Yeah, very, very cool. And you mentioned these flags, and I know about this because I know you a little bit uh, yeah. from our previous conversations and some of the content that I see you put out online. But what do you actually do with those flags? So they're made out of, of heat-treated pallets. And I, from start to finish, I, I chop the pallets apart. I rip the boards, um, paint them, and then reassemble them. But as I'm doing that, I also, I think what's kind of my secret ingredient is I write special special messages to the recipient inside. They're just kind of anything that crosses my mind. Uh, they could be scripture, they could be song lyrics, um, but I definitely put put heart into my flags. Mm. Yeah. And I bet they're, I bet they uh, really give that feel good message to the recipient I of the flag as well. I hope so. I often say that the messages can't be seen, but I hope that they're felt. Yeah, well, I bet they are. So why do people buy these from you? Um, you know what? I often wonder that because, you know, there are a lot of flag makers. I think that people, um, I think they're very beautiful, you know, not to, to pat myself on the back, but I think that they are very well made. Um, they're very beautiful. There are many different styles, but I think that people 
really want a flag made by me. And I think that they know about the scriptures and the good, good vibes that are put into them. And I think that they, they very much like that. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So they're, they're given as gifts a lot of the time. A lot of times, but I have had people order them. Um, I was just contacted uh, yesterday, a gentleman retired. He's, um, he's a firefighter and he just retired and he just wants to have one for his home. I have made a few smaller ones that, um, have been given as gifts, say a police officer retires. I make them so that they have very smooth boards. And then the people that they work with sign them kind of as a going away, um, memento. So I, I do all type of things. There's all different they're all custom. They're all tailor-made to the person that is going to get them. Very cool. Very nice. cool. Well, thanks for sharing all that, Jennifer. I, I love to find out how, uh, you know, a little bit about people when we get started here, because I, I feel like that it, it builds some connection for the audience. And I want people to know you and what you're all about and yeah. what you're up to in the world as well. And of course, true to form, and to the theme of the podcast here, we're going to talk about the story behind you and what's going on with you in your life right now. And, and I'd love to just get started with that. So, sure. you know, so what led you here today uh, to where you got here today? I know that there's, uh, you know, a, a sort of a, a story behind that. So what would you be willing to share with us? Sure. Well, keeping in theme with your tragedy to triumph, my story started with a tragedy. And that was the loss of my husband 12 years ago. Um, he was a very handy maintenance man. He worked at Kent State. Um, and he was killed one morning on his way to work. He was hit by a driver that came through um, an intersection. And if that wasn't bad enough, um, the day that it happened was actually our son's fourth birthday. Oh, wow. So, um, you know, it's like we still have to like relive it every year on a day that we want to celebrate Cameron's birthday. It's like there's there's a dark shadow, you know, kind of looming over us. Um, but what I have learned is that I feel we all have a purpose in life. And I think mine is to share my story and to, to tell how I use creativity in part um, to overcome my grief and sadness. So it was, you know, figuring out where do I go from here? Um, being that he was very handy, I knew nothing. I had never picked up tools, never tried to do anything. But in his absence, I had to learn. Um, and so in learning and working with tools, I've always been creative. So at one point, those two came together. Um, and that has led me to do the things I'm doing now. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for being willing to share that, Jennifer. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I'd, I'd love to travel back in time a little bit, if you will, okay. and talk about what was going on, you know, prior to that accident. You know, I know what I know is you you all had just bought this really nice farmhouse. And, <laughs> you know, so what was what was going on back then? Well, so it wasn't a really nice farmhouse. It was a fixer upper. It was uh, a, when he passed away. My dad stood here in the basement with me and looked at everything and said, Jen, you really should tear this down. And oh, wow. so when I met Gary, this this farm has been in, in his family for over 100 years. Um, and. When I met him, it, I, I honest to goodness, every room that I looked at, it was like the ugliest room you've ever seen. But that was like every room he, you know, because he had been a bachelor. He didn't care to update. You know, everything was just really outdated. And so before he passed away, we were going through and trying to to renovate. 
Um, and actually the day that his accident happened, our living room was gutted down to the studs. Wow. So I have to give a lot of credit to his friends in, at Kent State. They came. I had a family friend, Jake Miller, who came. Um, and people really rallied behind me and, and, and finished that room. Um, and at that time, I was in, in no state of mind to pick up tools and help. I bet. Um, but it, it was after that. It was after everybody that came and helped. They had to go back to their normal lives. I had to go forward into my new normal. And then that's when I started picking up tools and doing things. But at the time, you know, we had a traditional marriage. He, he worked full time. I worked two days a week. Um, but predominantly, I was a homemaker. Um, I, I was fortunate to stay home with our son, you know, in those early years. Um, so it just was the typical, you know, traditional, happy family. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so right, right around the time that he was, uh, uh, you know, before he went out that day, you so, oh, so you said you said this, he was at you thought he was at work, right? I did. Yeah. So what did he do for a living? He was a maintenance man. He worked at, at Kent. So oh, he, right. had, Thanks, he had his own building that he, you know, um, that he was in, in charge of as a Michael Schwartz Center. Um, and so he had his own building. And that morning they were supposed to have a safety, some type of, a, you know, like all the guys had some kind of a, a meeting and he didn't show up, which was definitely um, very unusual for Gary. He was very prompt, a very good worker. So the first time that I knew something was awry was when his boss called me Okay, and said, um, you know, is Gary running late? He's not here. We have the safety training meeting. And I thought, oh, he must've broken down or he ran out of gas. That was my initial thought. I didn't jump straight to, oh my God, something catastrophic has happened. Right. You know, I thought, oh, he must've, he had taken his motorcycle that day. So I thought maybe the bike broke down. Maybe he ran out of gas. Maybe there's a traffic jam. Mm. Um, so it wasn't, uh, so I told Lonnie, I said, you know, and here my daughter, I think was 12 at the time. And it wasn't really like leaving her at home by herself, but I thought, I'll go find him. I know the route he takes. I'll leave her momentarily with Cam and, you know, I'll maybe take some gas, take some tools and, you know, go find him. That was what I initially thought. Sure. So it wasn't until, you know, I was driving that there were actually signs that said accident ahead. Oh, um, wow. And then I knew, oh, dear God, like that's when time stopped. Yeah. So what was what was that moment like for you? You're driving that was, there and yeah, yeah, that was really pretty horrible. Um I remember seeing actually it's kind of kind of ironic. The people that I see as heroes that I honor today, those were the people at the scene. Um there were troop there was a trooper who poor man had to tell me. Um once he yeah. I did, you know, honestly I said, this is my, you know, my husband's motorcycle, where is he? So there was a trooper there and there were firefighters yeah. that were there. Um, thank goodness they had already transported his body to the hospital. But um, that trooper had to take me to the hospital so I could identify him. Right. So that, that day for a long time, I think anyone that's gone through a traumatic event like that, that day played over in my head like a bad movie to where I actually at one point wished I would get dementia yeah. because I just wanted it to stop. And I wanted to not think about that. So I guess for anyone listening, 
and I'm sorry, I'm trying very hard to hold it together. Oh, please, um, please don't worry about that. <laughs> I, I really appreciate your being willing to go there. And, oh, and absolutely. Yeah. This story will help somebody because I know someone has has gone through something that they can't get out of their mind to that plays over like a bad movie to where you can't concentrate on anything else. It just consumes you. I want the people that are going through that now to know that doesn't, it eventually does lessen. Um, You'll eventually get to a day where it's not so close in like the forefront of your mind. Like it, it slowly will fade to the background you will laugh again. You will be able to read something and actually retain what it says. Like you will get back to, um, you know, somewhat of a normal life. It just, it takes time. It yeah. really does. Yeah. So, so when you pulled up to the scene and they, they talked to you when you got there, and yeah. was there any hope still or was, did they tell you that it was a fatal accident? Yeah. Well, I, uh, as I, as I was, if I can take you back with me, as I was driving up, I drove past those signs that said accident ahead and I'm driving forward. And I just remember seeing the other car, which was like a red blazer. And I was like, okay, good. That's not his car. That isn't him. Okay. And then at that point, I still had hope that I thought that there was an accident. and Maybe he took another way. So I see the other vehicle and it's a red trailblazer. And then I look over and I, it took a moment for me to realize that the wrangled wreck of his motorcycle was actually, it, I had to see the license plate. Oh, wow. I saw the license plate and then I went, oh my God, that thing is Gary's motorcycle. So it, it's kind of funny how the mind takes in things like that. Yeah, you know, sure. when you are actually faced with a situation like that. And so I know my heart, of course, was racing, but uh, like time also went really slow for some reason. But I I was able to pull over and I got out and the trooper was, you know, there directing traffic. And and I walked up and all I could say was, where is the man on the motorcycle? Mm. That was really all I could get out. And he started asking me questions. What is your name? Where do you live? And I like I felt like I like I almost was annoyed because I was repeating the same things over again. But now looking like, back, why is this guy he, interrogating me? Yeah, well, yeah. I, I just was like, just answer my question. But I yeah. knew that he had to make sure I was who I said I was before mm. he said, I'm sorry, he didn't make it. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And what a day, you know, like I look back now and I think, what a day, like, I feel sorry for him. Too. You know, that he, that that probably stuck with him, that he had to go to his family at the end of the day and and realize like that's just as a typical day for our officers. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a really sad thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I really I really appreciate your your heart. I mean, you're you just have such a, a such a warm, loving, giving heart to also be able to feel what it must feel like for that for that person too. It's taken time. At at first, you just think about you, 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 and and all of that. But now knowing the police officers that I, that I do, um, because I had the honor to work with them at one point, um, I know now what they go through. And that's probably part of the love that I pour into my flags. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Uh Thank you. Uh (laughs) Ah, 
<laughs> okay, so. now I'll get it together for the rest of the interview. <laughs> you know, well. it's funny, like grief, sometimes I can talk matter of factly. And then other times it just, it just hits you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I really get that. I really do. Yeah. So you, um, so you go to the hospital and you have to identify your husband Yes. and it's your son's fourth birthday. Yeah. So what happened when you go home, when you went home? I mean, this is your son probably is expecting, I don't know, a birthday party or or some kind of, you know, family celebration. So what, what was that like? It was horrible. Um, Luckily he was only four. So I don't think he really remembers that day now. Mm. Um, By then relatives, I had made calls at the hospital. So people were showing up at the house. Um, I had to come home and tell the kids, you know, that, that, you know, because he wanted to know why the woman that brought me home from the hospital was my husband's aunt and she was, we were carrying his belongings. So my son being smart said, why do you have dad as boots? Yeah. Um, so I had to tell him, you know, that he wasn't coming home, but a a four-year-old doesn't understand death and the, the, the finality of it. Um, so I think we tried to keep Cameron as distracted as possible, but we were all in shock. And I do have one neighbor and a good friend who did go out and buy balloons and buy a cake. Cause we had planned to go out to dinner that night. So, and probably I had planned a party later cause this was during the week. It was a Wednesday. So we probably were going to have a family party party, but not that day. So, uh, my family friend did go out. She got balloons invited a couple neighbor kids over to sing to Cameron to kind of make him feel like, Hey, this is still your special day. Even though we were all just reeling with what was going on. Wow. I can't even imagine, you know, I have, uh, (laughs) I have three kids of my own as, as I know I'd shared with you and just hearing you talk about that. I mean, it's, my eyes are tearing up just Uh listening to you share about that day and what that must've been like for all of you trying to like you said, make sure that Cameron had his special day. And also in the background, you know, all of this is going on and you're trying to distract him. I mean, I can't even imagine what that must be like as a, as a mother and father. Yeah. Or or father. Right. Yeah. Um, There's someone took a picture and I'm like, why was anybody taking pictures? But someone did take a picture. It was either that day or it was the next day and I'm holding him. And I think what like what was going through my mind at that time like what like i'm i'm grateful now that i i kind of have that picture because i think what i look at it and i i see strength yeah i see strength in that picture yeah and i think what was i thinking at that moment I, I, I i don't know you have no answer to that huh i don't i don't but i know that um when you suffer something like that it's like time like you go okay it's four o'clock you should be coming home from work and then they don't come home from work and then okay well it's nine o'clock we should be you know taking our showers and like going to bed like it's weird like the dates and the times kind of are constant reminders of your routine and when that person's not there doing that routine it's really weird yeah it's really weird yeah yeah so so you so you 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 come home after this accident and we heard about your son's birthday party and earlier you mentioned 
the living room is completely gutted in this hundred year old house (laughs) that your husband was, you know, responsible for doing all of the, uh, the work and the renovation on. Right. So, so what did you do? Do you just, did you just live in the house with no, you know, no walls in the living room for a while? Well, the guys from Kent, yeah, well, it took a couple of weeks for everyone to kind of get their bearings and the guys from Kent state. And then I had a couple of neighbors that came and did drywall. And and then my friend who was a, a Finnish carpenter came and, and created a couple nooks and helped me help me sand the ceiling. Actually, I did do that work. We we sanded the ceiling, which I will sand 10 more walls before I ever sand another ceiling. <laughs> Awful. Um, but it was it was my friends that really came in and helped me put that room back together. But then a year after that, because Gary and I had planned to add on and fix up the house. Sure. Yeah. We didn't know how it was going to happen. I drew a picture and I had it on the refrigerator that that was my dream. And I always felt like this is something I'm going to do, but I didn't know how it was going to happen. And and I feel bad talking about this because I would never, ever trade, obviously, that what I did for. But I feel like it was God preparing me. I feel like God put that that vision of what I needed to do. Um, so that was our dream to fix up our home one day together. I didn't realize I'd be doing it by myself, but I hired an architect, showed him my picture, described it. I pulled my permits. I hired all my own people and I oversaw a complete renovation and addition to my house. Yeah. And had you, had you ever picked up a tool <laughs> in your life? I no. Oh, heck no. Nope. So nope, you, at that point, nope. Yeah. Okay. Well, so t- how much of this work did you actually do yourself? So that I really didn't. I mean, I hired everybody. I mean, I had to okay. pass inspection. I couldn't just be like, well, let's see what happens. And we, yeah. Um, sure. So all of those people were, were professional, but I oversaw it. And then after it was done, like I've done, done a lot of things since then. I think my first project that I actually tried to do, um, and I think that was before the addition, but I decided I, cause I was looking for things to keep myself busy. Uh-huh. Cause I didn't want to sit and think about my problems and my misery. So I remember the first project I ever did, Gary had an archery stand in the backyard and it just had basically three sides and you put bales of hay in it and he'd shoot, shoot at targets okay. uh, with his bow and arrow. So I decided I didn't need it to be an archery stand anymore. It was kind of an eyesore. So I got out all of his tools extension cords, you know, everything that I thought I would need. And this is having like no experience. And I was going to turn it into, I built doors for it. And I was going to turn it into a cute potting shed for my, you know, like my pots and, and these trowels and gardening stuff. So I got everything out and I could not open the miter saw. Mm. The miter saw last time he used it was shut. And then there's like a little uh, thing you screw on the side that keeps it closed for safety reasons. Yeah. Yeah. So there I am. I'm ready to work and I can't get the miter saw open. And I just like went into like pity party mode, like, you know, like I don't need one more thing. Like I was at the end of my rope. Why, why can't this work? I don't, I want to work on this, like half praying, half like kind of mad at him. Why'd you leave me and mm-hmm. help me figure this out? And so this feeling of calm came over me. And I just thought, Jennifer, calm yourself down, look at it, mm-hmm. figure it out. Yeah. It didn't get like that on accident. You can figure it out. So I kind of 
kind of looked it over and went, hmm, I wonder what this thing does. And I turned it and bloop, up, up pops the miter saw. And I'm like, okay, good. Now I'm ready to work. So actually that potting shed turned out beautiful. I put cedar shakes on it. I built these doors and I thought, that really wasn't so bad for having no idea what I was doing. Pretty good. Yeah. 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 So I thought, well, why stop there? If I'm going to do handy stuff, I need to make myself a workbench. So I went to Carter Lumber and I bought materials. And this story is kind of funny because being a female, you know, you go into a space like that and what are you buying? Well, I'm buying things for a workbench. And now I know his name's Dave, but at the time he didn't know me. I didn't know him. And he's like, oh, you mean for your sewing machine? And I'm like, no, a workbench. He's like, oh, for your crafts. And I'm like, no, like for my tools. Oh, okay. And he wasn't trying to be ignorant to me. It's just kind of funny. Like when we go into places that it's assumed that you're either shopping for your husband or you're buying things to make crafts. So yeah. Sad, but true, right? Yeah, so I'm yeah. I'm working to change that. <laughs> well, that's uh, you know this is this is one of the things that I love most about you, Jennifer, and what you're up to in the world is that you are trying to change that. I think that's so cool. And um, it, so when this thing happened with the miter saw, about how long was that after uh, Gary's death? I'm gonna say probably a couple months. Okay. Okay. So yeah, I just think it's a it's an interesting sort of. Uh, peek into what was going on for you. Like you said, there was this moment where you kind of threw yourself a pity party and you also had all types of other feelings of, you know, anger and, and everything like that for him leaving you in that moment. Right. And, you know, so I, I know we're, we're jumping around a little bit, but, you know, I just, want to go back to those, you know, the, the, the grief that you were going through and all of the, the feelings that were coming up along around that. And, you know, I imagine that you, you know, you mentioned distracting yourself with some work around the house, which I mm-hmm. think is great. And I think that's uh, necessary, but I'm, I'm really curious about how, what else did you do to get help around those feelings of grief and, and everything else that were coming up around it? Um, I started going to church. Okay. Started going to church and actually, and it was because following Gary's at the funeral, I had the local church, um, provide the dinner for afterwards. And I thought, you know, these are people I need to be around. Yeah. These are people I need to be around. So I, I looked to my faith, which I've always had. Um, so I looked at faith and then I also joined a support group at the, the local, that the hospital or hospital in the area, they had a grief group. And I feel that that was beneficial to be around other people that were feeling, I mean, we, we all lost different, you know, someone had lost a grandma, someone had lost, you know, a brother, they were all different people, but grief is grief. Um, and so we all had that in common and I feel that that was really helpful. Yeah. Okay. So, so going to church and this support group and, and yeah, what, what were look, but you know, part of the intention of this podcast is to normalize these, you know, really tragic, horrible things that happen in our lives as human mm-hmm. beings, right? Like you said yeah. earlier, so brilliantly, there's somebody out there right now who doesn't know what to do with about 
all of the grief and the circumstances that they find themselves in either by losing a loved one or for whatever else is happening in their life. Right. And yeah, that, you know, so that that's normal that happens. And we all, in order to get, in order to recover from those things, in order to get uh, better or well around those things, we we need to talk about it with people. We need, Absolutely. To, we need to ask for and accept help from outside of us. So I'd, I'd really love for you to just share for a few minutes about what did you all talk about in this support group or and and how did how did church actually help you? How what was the process like? I think with church, it was just around. It was just about being around people. Mm. It was it was uh, actually both places were being around people and being around and listening to their advice. And both places gave me hope. Yeah. And in church, I real I read books. Um, I read the Bible, obviously. And then I also people would suggest grief books. And I, I read all of those. I became very much interested in what happens to us after we leave this earth. So that helped form my belief that we are here for lessons and for a reason and for a purpose. Yeah. Um, And so I feel like the best way for me to honor my husband's life is to fulfill my purpose. Yeah. You know, one of the one of the most beautiful things that you shared with me is that you came to this realization that, you know, not only what you just said, that you have a purpose and that you are going to live your purpose in service of of Gary and yourself and your family mm-hmm. and the rest of the world but that also he had a purpose. He did. You're right. He did. So, so what is what was his purpose that you are present um, now? Well, to bring me it had everything not lined up the way it did like I look back and go, "Oh, if I'd never met him, I would never be in Ravenna." I would never have my son. So part of his purpose was to bring me here <laughs> to set me up for learning how to to take care of myself. I mean, had he had a brand new home, I wouldn't have had to lift a finger. Right. You know, it was for it. His purpose was bring me bringing me to this area, obviously to bring our son into the world. And um, it just everything lined up, even the job that I took to even know these police officers, to do these flags, like everything. His purpose was to to lead me into mine, I feel. Yeah. yeah. And he was a great son. He was a great brother, um, a friend to all of his coworkers. You know, he was just a real he'd walk into the room and everyone loved him. Mm. Everyone loved he was just was really funny, charismatic. Yeah, so he that, had his own gifts and his own talents. Yeah. So that, those were part of his purpose. Yeah. And there were a lot of things that he did that were really good that I will never know about. Yeah. And you and you really let that impact you and your purpose. It yeah. Like. yeah. So what, what would you say your purpose is for the listeners here? I feel I have several. I feel well, and, and first and foremost, it's to share my belief in God, to raise good kids. Um, to honor veterans and first responders. And I also feel like I need to inspire others to be creative, maybe as a way to deal with grief. And also as a side note, because I am in, in working with tools, I feel I have a purpose to bring ladies into the marketing of tools 
and to make it more common for women in the trades or women just in the DIY space. So that when they go into Lowe's and Carter Lumber, people don't look at the things in their cart and ask what their husband's working on. Mm. Uh, yeah, that. <laughs> Amen. I love this. This is this is so cool. So so tell us um tell us what it was like when you you know things started shifting for you. You know, we the, what a what a you know s- tragic story when when all this stuff happened and all the feelings and everything that came up around it and the you know the circumstances of of life that you had to go through after you know losing your husband and your you know your you're raising kids and having to deal with all of that. And then you're, you're starting to get support from church and this support group and everything like that. And you start living your purpose. Right. Mm-hmm. So how, like, what was it like when you noticed that things started to get better or change in a positive way? Probably when I, well, I, part of with, with Gary working at Kent state, I had a couple of years that I could go back and get some training. That was part of like the, the employee's benefit. So I earned my paralegal certificate and that led me to a job that I absolutely loved. I was a grand jury coordinator um, in Summit County and I loved that job. That's when I worked with all the police officers. So in making my flags, which started because of them, I feel like my process and my purpose started to come into being by serving others. Yeah. By honor, by doing things. I thought it was helping me because, you know, it was extra money and it was a way to be creative. Um, but really it's, you know, like helping them too is honoring them. So I feel that, yeah, that's my purpose is to honor yeah. the people that I really respect the heck out of. So, yeah. but, and like that helped me too. Yeah, totally. And then, mm-hmm. you know, and also the, so this is a, this is a story about resiliency. It's a story about um, uh, uh, empowerment. Like you, you really, you really used this as an opportunity to, to empower yourself. And now you're out there making a difference for other people, you know, making yeah. a difference for uh, first responders and people that are out doing the doing the work that we need them to do for for a good purpose in the world and you're serving them and and you're also this model for other women to you know sort of take their power back and go and 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 create their own purpose and and be that person out in the world so i think it's it's just amazing you know so you, you. so you like you honed your woodworking skills by <laughs> uh yeah by remodeling this home that you live in now. Yes. And uh so so now tell us about tell us about this this business that you have selling these flags. I mean that now this is what you do, right? It is because the job that I mentioned that I absolutely I loved that job. I felt very very fulfilled. I was around people all day long. It just was the best job ever, but I had the worst boss ever. Ah. So Here's another life lesson if I can impart to everybody is when you do things that are different and against the status quo and you start to bring attention to yourself and you are doing good and and different maybe than what everyone else is doing, you are going to attract some people that don't like that and are for whatever reason insecure about themselves and uncomfortable with your success. So that is unfortunately part of my story is I had a female boss who just tormented the living daylights out of me 
Mm. I won't go into detail. I did file a complaint. I won my complaint, but nothing was done. Mm. It just was a very toxic environment. I had to leave. So um, that's why I, but luckily for me, I had my side business going, remember? Because I go yeah. all day long. I was the grand jury coordinator. I would come home and I would work every night and every weekend making flags. Wow. So I'm glad that I had that to fall back on because one day I just, I had enough and I said, I can't stay here. This is toxic. And I walked out. Mm. Um, and I, since then, that, that was two years ago, I've been a full-time flag maker. Um, since then, I've had enough orders, thank goodness. Um, I also create content on YouTube. Yeah. I've had offers from companies to work with them. Um, so, you know, it's, it's really branched off into something different. And I, I believe, even though I didn't want to go, sometimes you're pushed out of where you're at because it's time to go. Whether yeah. you want it or not, you eventually have to accept that. I was meant to do something else. You definitely were. You definitely yeah. were. Hey, are you allowed to share what some of the names of those companies are that you're, that you're promoting for? Sure. So, well, DeWalt, for one, I, I'm hoping to get sponsorship with them, but I am not sponsored. So I just want to make sure that I let everyone know. Um, when I was working as the grand jury coordinator, my police officer friends started calling me Miss DeWalt just because of my posts and uh, I had won a contest. And so um, they started calling. So that's a nickname. So I'm not officially working with them, but I do hope that I will. Um, but some of the other companies, there's a forklift company um, in Olift. USA. Okay. Um, so it's this forklift that lifts pallets. So I did a video. I don't know if you saw that on LinkedIn. It was really cool. I can operate it. Five foot three, 115 pounds. It's just a, you know, you go up, it's a forklift that's on wheels and um, like electronic. It runs by a battery. And so you can just lift this huge thing of pallets, load it on a truck, but then the actual forklift, if you want, can rise up to the bed of a truck and go on. So wow. that's one company I'm working with. There's another company locally here in Aurora called Link Packaging. And they have the most awesome shipping boxes. Um, so they're actually promoted, going to be promoting me and I'll you know cross promote them. They're planning a whole website for makers that if you create things on Etsy um, or if you make flags like I do, that they have these wonderful shipping boxes that are cheaper than you'll find anywhere. So um, I'll be promoting them here in January. Um, and then I've had other things come in, you know, someone will send me a tool. Uh, there's a drywall axe that I'll be promoting. Um, just, you know, things come to me, people message me, someone messaged me today on LinkedIn, and I've not even, you know, figured out what that product is. But once you put yourself out there, it's really scary, but people will find you. You have to, like, it's a necessary step. You have to take that step and put yourself out there. And then people will find you that you didn't even know existed. Yeah. And opportunities come. So let me make sure I'm hearing you right. You, you're saying that you started posting these videos, had these how-to videos to help women learn how to do woodworking and other, you know, fixer up kind of jobs around the house and things like that. And you're, you know, you're showcasing the work that you're doing uh, to make flags and, and things like that. Right. Yes. And then you grew a following from d doing that. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about 
what that actually looks like? Like what, where can people find you? What, what social media channels and, and sure. what is the, what's the size of your audience? I'm, I'm, I'm curious <laughs> you share a little bit about that. So uh, probably about 250,000 total, I would guess. I'm on all the major platforms. My biggest following is on TikTok. Okay. I'm almost at 190,000 there. Um, I actually have to sit down and do the math, though. I'm on Instagram. I actually have two accounts on Instagram. I have my Miss DeWalt account, which is like DIY and repurposing things mm -hmm. and my love of tools. But then I also have all of my flags on another Instagram account. And that's Blessed Are the Peacemakers 5.9. Mm -hmm. um, so I have that. I have mentioned YouTube. I'm on Facebook. LinkedIn, um, and then, a, a, you know, Pinterest, I'm on, I'm on most of the major, if they want to just Google Miss DeWalt, they'll find where I'm at. Yeah. Twitter. I'm not that active there, but I do have an account. Okay. Okay. Very good. Uh, so, so you grew this huge following and then people started reaching out to you to yes. promote their products. Yes. And I think that's one thing that I have to say my Instagram um, peers are missing the power of LinkedIn. Mm. Uh, I don't think that they realize what opportunities they will find there or that will find them. And I also think that by being different, which I've been criticized, <laughs> I, my friends, I mean, I have a lot of friends on Instagram, but then I also have like the haters of course. because I do do things very differently. I create actual like music videos to my DIY where you don't see a lot of other woodworkers doing that. Sure. They just usually do like a time-lapse video of what they did and slap a song to it where I will dress as Wonder Woman if I think it'll help, you know, what I'm doing. Or like I dress like Princess Leia because I did a craft that was Yoda. So I've done, or I've always kind of like bebopped around or like, did, so the best way I can explain it is it's like a, a music video, but with my projects but in being different and showing myself in different roles in different ways that opens you up to people that will see your things and go oh my gosh she's perfect for this widget over here or whatever whatever the product is so if I just marketed myself as a woodworker I'm limiting myself I yeah. guess is the point I'm trying to make um, so yeah, that's why I'm glad that I followed my gut and my instincts and showed my true personality by doing my own thing. It's brilliant. It's so brilliant. I love it. And do women reach out to you too, to, to ask you questions, to thank you for the message that you're putting out there for them? All the time. Yeah. All the time. I, a lot of women are very intimidated because the ads they see Let's face it. And I love the toll industry. So I'm not trying to be like really, really uh, mean with what I say. But if you look at any tool ad, I would think that the most of the women would look at it and say, this isn't for me. Mm. They're not talking to me. This isn't that product isn't for me. Right. Why would I go pick that up when there's a bunch of construction guys showing that tool? Sure. So I hope that they look at my things and they say, oh, well, she's in her overalls one minute, but then the next minute she's dressed up and wearing heels. That's how I am. I wear my, you know, 
dresses to work. And then I come home and I put on my boots and I'm, a, you know, around the farm or whatever. Oh. I want them to identify with me because they see that I am all of those things and they are all of those things. And if I can do it and I can put it to them in a way that makes them feel welcome, then they will be more apt to pick up a tool and try a project on their own. Yeah. So how does that feel to you now that you get these encouraging messages and and messages of gratitude from all these women? I love it. Yeah, I love it. And it, it usually those messages come on days that I'm like, why am I doing all this? I'm just going to throw in the towel. Things aren't happening fast enough for me. And usually it's those days that I get a message like that, that a woman will say, I tried changing an outlet because I saw your video and you know what? And I showed my daughters how to do it too. Or I bought that chainsaw because I had a tree that was down and I live alone and I wanted, didn't want to hire somebody. So I bought that and I did it myself and I'm self-sufficient. And I also get a lot of messages um, from parents saying that their daughters are watching me. Yeah. That is also very satisfying to me because I feel like the next generation will not have the same barriers and will not have the same role models that I saw in the tool industry growing up. Because let's face it, you know, I was born in 71. The only women I remember seeing holding tools were like on posters in garages of women dressed, you know, like next to nothing holding a tool or Rosie the Riveter. Rosie the Riveter is like the only positive role model that I remember seeing holding a tool. Wow. And, and she was like a fictional character. And you're changing <laughs> that. Now you're, now you're the so. positive role model, you know, with the, with the tools and, and empowering women and especially young women. And I think that's so cool. And it's okay. just the, it is the perfect tragedy to triumph story. So I'm so grateful that you came on here and shared all this with you, with our guests. Thank I just you. think it's a, it's such a, a cool and beautiful thing to know that you you took this just absolutely horrible experience that you went through and you turned it into something that is an opportunity for you to live out your purpose and that it makes such a difference for so many other people. So I really want listeners to get that that's possible for for everybody in a situation like that. I mean, just imagine how Jennifer must have felt going through this this process of grief and raising a family without her husband and, you know, all the work that she had to do fixing up her home and learning how to, to do all of the things that she does in order to be a, a woodworker and creates this business selling flags, this thing that she loves to do, making a difference for the people she wants to make a difference for and empowering women. And now she's got this ridiculous following online. She's a total, <laughs> she's a total influencer, right? And she's getting all of these deals happening for for you know major companies wanting her to promote their products. So um, I I just want everybody to know that uh, you know something like that or even even cooler and better is possible for you too. So uh, Jennifer, in wrapping up here today. If there was a moral to this story, what would that be? What would you want to share with our listeners as a takeaway? I would say that we all have a purpose. We all have a purpose. We all go through horrible things. Allow yourself to move through those and to know that one day it will get better and that that purpose will 
come to you and that you will make be able to make a difference in other people's lives. You will be able to inspire. Um, you will be able to laugh again, love again. It, 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 it'll all be okay. You just have to move through it um, and realize that there's a reason for everything. Even the bad things, beautiful things can come th- from those. Yeah. If you just move through it. That's such a such a powerful message, and it's the perfect message for people out there who are uh, maybe experiencing some pain and and suffering right now in their lives. That's the that's the purpose of this show. Uh, Mia and Jennifer's hope is that just one person hears this story and it and it changes their life forever. So uh, we hope that person is you. Uh, and. Thank you for being here with us today. Again, this is the Tragedy to Triumph podcast. My name is Mick Carbo, your host. I'm here with Jennifer Klein. Look her up on all of the amazing uh, uh, work that she's doing on um, you know, Instagram and, and LinkedIn and TikTok and all of the other social media platforms out there. And we wish you a blessed and amazing day. Thanks for listening. Thanks so much. <laughs> It's our hope that this story makes a difference for another person. If it helps one person, we believe we've done our work. Consider telling a friend about this podcast. You might just make a difference for them too. Accomplishment Coaching, the world's finest coaches training program. I owe much of the man I am today to the work I've done and the relationships I've built in this community. For anybody out there who wants to start a career as a coach or enhance their skills as a coach, look no further. Transform your life and set yourself up to win in your coaching business at the same time. Find out more at accomplishmentcoaching.com.